Your next chance to win $1,000 coming up at uh, 215 as we continue with Keyword for Cash. Well, they continue with the special session over in St. Paul, which uh, stretching into its uh, second week now. But lo and behold, progress being made, even though we've had that audio yesterday of Kurt Dowd and Ryan Winkler and points of order. Sounded very tense, very angry, but uh, progress is being made. In fact, last night, a couple of uh, big pieces of legislature, um, legislation passed, including uh, $250 million in bonuses to workers who are on the front line of the pandemic. A jumping-off point for our weekly Playing Politics segment with folks from the uh, editorial board of the Star Tribune, John Rash and Patricia Lopez, Lopez uh, joining us today. Hello to you both. And, John, let's uh, start with there, the $250 million bonus to frontline workers. I think a lot of people are probably wondering, uh, am I going to get a chunk of that money? Well, certainly that is the next part of the discussion. But the overall discussions over in St. Paul have been greatly facilitated by this kind of money being available from the federal government and by tax revenue coming in better than anticipated here in the state of Minnesota. So I think it's a sign of our dysfunctional politics statewide that they're still having such a hard time hitting the finish line here and avoiding a government shutdown. Clearly looks like they're going to be able to do it, but they're in a special session, of course, even at a time where there is a significant budget surplus. One can only imagine if we would have had the deficit that at one time seemed likely given the pandemic economic contraction that it would have been even harder to get there but hopefully they can make it government can continue to run and they can look towards trying to work together a bit better in the next year because of course we'll wind into an election year and a gubernatorial one at that for 2022. Pat uh, that 250 million dollar figure I understand there's going to be a panel that will determine uh, how that money gets allocated? Yes, um, and right now it's supposed to be reserved for frontline workers. The exact definition of that hasn't been arrived at. So, uh, you know, the first thought is that it's going to be a lot of, you know, grocery store clerks, you know, perhaps hospital um, workers. These are these are special bonuses, um, and and I think they're looking in particular at those who didn't get, you know, time off to get COVID shots, or you know, maybe didn't get sick pay, um, something like that. So. It's um it's uh, surprising. I, I think it's a um a great thing to do with a portion of the money and uh um you know really helps to uh you know give some kind of tangible thank you, you know, in addition to calling them heroes. Right. A little bit of money is always nice. And as for um the infighting at the Capitol, boy, I you know, sometimes it's worse when there's more money. <laughs> um sometimes when there's less money it actually drives them to uh to a solution. So I, I don't know. They're able to fight when there is money and when there isn't money. That's kind of the nature of the beast. Uh, yeah. Pat, I'll go right back to you with this one. A big uh, boost for state schools, a $1.2 billion yeah. uh, in state classrooms, which represents the biggest funding boost in 15 years. Mm-hmm. The, is that a, I mean, you look at the headline on that, you, is, that a, is that a Democratic victory or Republicans claiming the, a win on this one, too? I think everybody claims to uh, gets to claim a win on that one, uh, you know, for different reasons. Um, so, you know, you make adjustments in the formula that help benefit um, schools out state, but there's, you know, a big bump in money uh, overall. Um, so there's a little something for everybody in there, the same way that there is with taxes. So they get to reduce, you know, taxes um, 
significantly across the, across the board, both sides get to claim some of that. This is the easy part where there are victories all around. Everybody gets to do a little something for schools. Everybody gets to do a little something for tax cuts. There's still money for roads. That's John, the, the, there's still uh, pieces of legislation that are quite uh, controversial, P- police uh, accountability. Where are we at with that? Will things will, will there be some sort of agreement um, coming up here before the special session ends? Well, you're quite right that that remains, and it's there for a reason because they cannot come to a court on this. My sense is they will make some small moves on this, but not anywhere near the significant shifts that many in the DFL party had hoped to see happen during this legislative session. Um, They're going to wait for that to the end. They may wait, as has been uh, widely discussed, on the governor's emergency authority as well, which is a key demand of many Republicans in the state legislature as well, particularly the leadership of Senator Gazelka and Speaker Dowd. And so I think at the very end, those may move. I just cannot see a scenario right now where there's a complete overhaul on some of these provisions, but I also can't see a scenario where they're not able to finish their work and we go into a government shutdown. Every side wants to avoid that because they want to roll up their sleeves to go back into, again, what will be an election year next year. Uh, They've made too many concessions already um, to let it all fall apart over public safety. Um, The question is, what what are they going to uh, actually agree to? Pat, on that note, there's a op-ed uh, by Tom, an opinion piece by Thomas Friedman in the paper today, talking about the the defund, uh, even just the term, how that is bad for Democrats, and that opens victories for Republicans as long as that term is out there. And he talks about how it originated here in his hometown of Minneapolis. Um, is that uh, the central uh, issue that you think uh, could keep boosting Republicans? If there's some sort of embracement of this uh, defund movement or any changes, significant changes to police, in other words, do Democrats really have to turn the tide on saying, look, we need changes in policing, but we still need police on the streets? Um, First of all, I I personally think that defund the police is just a dreadful slogan um, because it does it gives. Uh, Republicans, a huge opening to hit Democrats over the head. Most, uh, Many of the Democrats I've talked to do not want to, in fact, defund the police, nor has that actually right. happened uh, in most places. Um, you know, you've watched the uh, New York uh, mayoral primary is now turning on um, the issue of public safety, and some want more police. So this is, it's, you know, you can weaponize those three words. But that's not really the issue. The issue is what is needed to ensure public safety um, that protects both, you know, the people in the neighborhoods uh, from crime and, and also, you know, imposes some, um, you know, safety requirements for police. So this is this is not um, an easy thing, but it's not the kind of thing that's going to be solved with convenient, you know, three word slogans. On that note, though, John, if it's a messaging issue, how did they win that messaging? Because they sure are not right now. You're absolutely right about that. I concur with Patricia on the slogan, and it has been weaponized. And, of course, that doesn't happen unless it's accompanied by a spike in crime. And we're seeing a spiral turn into a spike, and this is becoming a key national issue. It's taking place in big cities that are almost overwhelmingly run, not just by mayors, but also city councils 
that are Democratic, and the Republicans have been quite successful in tying this issue to the Democrats and using the defund the police slogan that originated to a certain degree here in Minneapolis in the wake of George Floyd's murder. And, you know, had they come out and said, reform the police or support the police with reforms, something that would be more fitting to where most Democrats and certainly the vast majority of Americans are on this issue, it would have been quite different. They did not. It's been, it was uh, one of the sleeper issues in the 2020 election that kept down gains by Democrats and is something that clearly President Biden is quite concerned about because he's addressing the issue today and he has long been more supportive of more police and he is going to try to again prove that to the electorate but the democrats are clearly playing political catch-up here talking to uh, john rash pat lopez from the star tribune editorial board this is playing politics wednesday edition as always here um john i'll go back to you on this one on the on the uh, the pandemic uh, the Biden administration admitting that the uh, July 1st goal of getting to 70 percent vaccination not happening. In fact, uh, still in the 40 percent range. Do you see that number significantly going up uh, anytime soon? Or is this just where people are just who say they won't get vaccinated uh, will not do so, even if we get like an FDA you know, certification of the vaccine? Well, one of the many challenges in moving to that goal is it's quite clear one of the dividing lines for some is their politics and you know how they vote and how they perceive this issue, which is certainly their right. But those that are pressing the vaccinations at the highest levels are mostly Democrats or people perceived to be Democrats by a lot of Republicans, such as Anthony Fauci, as, as just one example, and of course, President Biden himself. And there have been few prominent conservatives who have pushed it as aggressively as the Democrats have on this issue and many of their voters, and this is quite clear from the states that have those extraordinary low numbers of vaccinations, are, you know, taking their cues elsewhere. And, you know, with the conservative media, such as Fox News, having opinion shows that openly question the vaccines clearly isn't factor as well. The one thing that may turn it around or actually significantly surge the number of vaccinations might be if the Delta variant, heaven forbid, really takes off, as public officials are quite concerned about, and if it becomes an issue of absolute alarm or if indeed that they have to start, you know, moving back towards mask mandates or, or you know, shutting certain aspects of the economy down, that might be something that could concentrate some minds to say, we're going to have to up these levels of vaccinations. But we're not there yet, and indeed, the very fact that Minnesota isn't one of the leading states and one that has gotten over 70 percent, I think, is indicative of some of the national problems as well. Pat, that, that, that is one of the big questions here. A lot of the people who said, you know, we praise President Trump for giving us this vaccine, but then mm. I'm not going to take it. I uh, d- um, Yeah, it's this weird convergence of anti-vaxxers and people who seem to interpret um, freedom as, you know, the freedom to get a deadly illness. I, I, I don't quite understand it myself, but um, you don't have to look any further than Missouri, where they've had a huge outbreak of Delta variant. Yeah, Kansas um, City. Because of the stubborn refusal of much of the population to get vaccinated. And it's so very clear. Um, there was an incident earlier in a different state where several, um, you know, people in an office got sick. I think it might have been Florida. 
um, you know, of the five people, two were vaccinated, three weren't. Guess who got it? Um, these are these vaccines are remarkably effective with remarkably few side effects. Um, it just seems to me very ironic that we are um, refuse that anyone would refuse would refuse this. John, Patricia, thank you so much for the time. As always, appreciate it. Thank you. That's John, Thank you. John Rash, Patricia Lopez from the Star Tribune editorial board playing politics every Wednesday afternoon here on the Chad Hartman Show.